0: a bit of a livestock special this week as we look back on the year so far for sheep, cattle, pigs and poultry.
1: 2023 for poultry has been a tough year, but I think we're still in a position where uh, we talk mainly about chicken, but we've got turkey and duck and goose it's still the most popular meat.
0: We're also talking grain drying, potatoes. We'll see how the markets are doing and look back at another successful 24 Hours in Farming.
2: We have various different high-profile people and ambassadors getting involved, including the Prime Minister. And There were over 5 million tweets, or on X, um, as we're calling it now, 3 million Instagram posts and 2 million Facebook posts.
3: The Week in Agriculture.
0: This is the Farming Programme. With Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. Another mixed bag of weather last week, but at least some sunshine. In the news this week, farmers are being warned to be vigilant as new signings of the potato pest Colorado beetle larvae have been reported in Kent. It appears to be just the one colony at the moment, but certainly worth keeping an eye out as they are a significant threat to potato crops, but not harmful to humans or animals. The crop's looking good on the country's vineyards, mainly due to the wet weather earlier. They now need some sunshine and warmth to ripen and boost the sugar content. And we'll be talking about that with a Lincolnshire grower next week and the unsettled weather's continuing to delay harvest progress. I'll have a forecast for the week at the end of the programme. Just a few days ago, we all celebrated 24 hours in farming, along with Open Farm Sunday, one of the biggest farmer public awareness campaigns of the year. The stats from Open Farm Sunday back in June were really encouraging. 257 farms opened, welcoming over 170,000 visitors, 89% of which said that visiting a farm has encouraged them to buy more British food and 87% said it's increased their trust in British farming. The event goes a long way to dispelling some of the myths around farming and explaining just how our food gets to the dinner table. For your diary, Leaf Open Farm Sunday is back next year on the 9th of June and you can register now at farmsunday.org. And then more recently, we and many millions around the country were proudly backing 24 Hours in Farming. Hashtag Farm24, sponsored by Morrison's and organised by the Farmer's Guardian. From where comes Olivia Midgley? How was it then
2: this year, Olivia? Well, yeah, we had another absolutely phenomenal campaign with huge reach um, and engagement across social media. And we had uh, various different high-profile uh, people and ambassadors getting involved, including the Prime Minister. Um, but perhaps the, the biggest coup was getting Jamie Oliver, which who we've been trying to get um, to be involved in the campaign for about eight years now, <laughs> so to see to see his uh, his tweet come in was just i mean the office cheered so that was that was a, a real a real highlight and and i think that that the stats really speak for themselves so we've been talking a lot haven't we about kind of what engagement means um so just to take you through a couple of these stats i mean there were over five million tweets or on x um as we're calling it now um three million instagram posts and two million facebook posts now they are um class of social engagement so they're either likes shares or someone commenting on on the, ha- the hashtag fan 24 so just um, their
0: proper engagements that's not yeah. just somebody having a picture yeah. flash up on their phone
2: no they are actually actual engagements which i think is just is just fantastic because to have that have that data and to, to see so so basically it's 10 million um, social engagements it's so powerful to think that we've we've reached so many people and and at the end of the day it's raising awareness of, of agriculture and hopefully you know reaching people and, and sparking some interest really in the industry isn't it it's about kind of you know you know promoting the industry To non-farming
0: audiences as well. It's a a phenomenal response, and with numbers like that, that's got to help, surely, with campaigns to improve farm uh, security—sorry, food um, security—and promoting what's going on with farming generally. That that must help.
2: I think you're right. I think it's it's a it's a big celebration this campaign, but it's also about raising awareness. We've been going through terrible um, ups and downs with the weather. And I think that really came through on the day. You know, we, I was up at a farm in Wigan who had been waiting to harvest some wheat. I think it'd been ready, you know, it'd been ready weeks um and and actually the day came and the combine arrived and you know I went up there and it was just a great a great feeling across the farm that they were actually getting on and bringing this wheat in I think what it did is highlight that there are you know there are ups and downs in farming a day at the beginning of August you'd think that combines would just be rolling up and down the country at the busiest time of the year well actually you know it's been the opposite hasn't it mm. um and it's been such a stop start harvest so it does then bring into people's minds, well, what would happen if you know we didn't get all the all the crops in, and then that does get people thinking about food security. So I think it was it was great to show that there is you know a, a negative side to it as well, um, that it's not all rosy and that things don't
4: always go to plan as we know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If only we could control the weather, we'd all be very rich people. It and would. are we going to be running Farm Twenty Four next year?
4: Of course, yeah.
2: We'll be back next year. It'll be the first uh, that first Thursday, Friday of August, and we'll all have our thinking caps on now, thinking about how we can make it bigger and better than this year.
0: Olivia, it's been another brilliant campaign. I can't believe that 10 million engagements—quite incredible—from <laughs> uh, 24 hours in farming and the Farmers' Guardian. Olivia Midgley, well done for a brilliant campaign. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Dave. Having looked back at Open Farm Sunday, Farm 24, and over recent weeks, crops and farm finances, this week we look at the state of the nation for our livestock farmers. Starting with cattle and sheep, morning to Millie Fife from Ladies in Beef. A little bit of background first, Millie, please. What's on your farm?
5: We are beef suckler cattle farmers, and also we have breeding news here on the farm. So we have. Um, a native breed angus cattle and we also have limousins which are continental breed um, and they produce quite a nice carcass for the butcher Um, so we supply our local butcher and we also sell through um, local livestock markets lamb and beef prices have been pretty good over the last few months although the uk government trade deal with australia has um, allowed a lot more cheap foreign imports into the uk the difficulty is They don't have the same high welfare standards that we adhere to. In Australia, for example, they're grown on um, or reared on vast feedlots with tens of thousands of head of cattle. They're allowed to use growth hormones and then they're flown halfway across the globe. And... It's very, very difficult to compete on price with that trade deal. Um, and so that's why it's so important to kind of have that brand British, the importance of buying British. Um, but also thinking about the impact on the environment as well in terms of food miles and your carbon footprint. That's the worry, I think, for us as um, as livestock farmers is that, you know, we, we, we're jumping through all of the hoops and we're doing I and mean, we're producing a world class product. But then we, we kind of have to compete with a with a global market, which aren't adhering to similar standards to we do.
0: Yeah, it does seem kind of not balanced. But do you think, t- taking your farmer's head off for a minute, but putting maybe a <laughs> consumer's hat on, do you feel that consumers are that interested? Or are they just really concerned on how much it is at the supermarket?
5: Well, with the cost of living crisis, it's quite a challenge to kind of, get that happy medium of um, providing a product which people can afford to buy. Um, Similar or or cheaper cuts of meat, such as um, going for mince and 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 burgers and things like that or sausages for example is a great way of being able to support uh british consumers or you know if you're thinking about cooking a roast dinner perhaps head to the butchers because then you're not only supporting um british but you're also sustaining the rural economy as well and all of these independent producers one of the passions of mine is is to obviously highlight um british producers through my food blog and my podcast and and supporting various food and farming campaigns such as Great British Beef Week and Love Lamb Week as well because it is so important in terms of sustaining jobs, sustaining the rural economy and um, helping to sustain our our British farming system.
0: You say that prices have held up okay this year. What about the input side? How have your costs been?
5: Uh, Like everybody, uh, things have gone up. I mean, in, in our system... We're quite um, circular. We grow a lot of our food for our cattle. We grow a lot of our bedding, obviously, because we're arable farmers as well. So we grow a lot of straw for for the cattle bedding for the winter and most of our feed costs because we um, produce our own hay and silage. But of course, like everyone, fuel, electricity, everything like that is just absolutely ridiculous. And so, again, that's something that, you know, you can ride the storm for so long. um, But obviously with... One of the worries, again, is the fact that farm subsidies are being um, uh, reduced year on year. So it's a lot harder for us to be able to make a profit. So therefore, we are looking at diversification opportunities and basically making sure that our eggs aren't all in one basket. Excuse a pun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you've got to look at the, the business side of things pretty regularly, really, haven't you? Turning to sheep then, how was lambing this year?
5: Yeah, it, it was fine. It seems uh, a, a distant memory now. Uh, we were lambing in April and May. And we have about 300 breeding ewes. They're a North Country mule cross Texel, which produced quite a meaty calf which our local butcher quite likes. Um, but actually, in terms of lambing, um, we had a couple of ex- to support us as well, um, which we do every year. Um, They they come on work placement, which is very nice. And and again, having young children as well, they're now at the age where they enjoy getting involved with lambing and feeding the the cade lambs and things like that, which is quite sweet. The weather was pretty kind to us this year. We didn't have any particularly cold bells so we were able to turn lambs out quickly and the grass was growing so again you know when when we were turning lambs out um, there was plenty of food for them so i suppose no real headline it wasn't really bad it wasn't really great it was just a good year for well, that's, lambing
0: that's all right we'll take that um, <laughs> sometimes it's not a bad thing to have no headlines and just think yeah it was a reasonable year thanks for that millie fife from ladies in beef one sector that's seen a really challenging year is poultry. Richard Griffiths, Chief Exec of the British Poultry Council, has it really been that bad?
1: 2023 for poultry, for poultry meat, has been a tough year. Mm. Really tough. The, uh, the issues surrounding Brexit have only compounded, they've not lessened. Um, the cost of production feeding into cost of living uh, have only gone up. We've seen Hopefully, they we're coming out of uh, the worst avian influenza season we've ever had. Um, and generally, producers are under immense pressure. And we're seeing that now with a drop in production compared mm. to the same time last year. Let's
0: start with a little bit of a look about Brexit and food import controls. And this problem with unreciprocated import control seems to be causing real headaches, isn't
1: it? Well, the import controls, or lack of, um, is a real problem for poultry producers. We're in a position where our trade is a really important element of our production, the domestic supply. Um, We tend to export dark meat, and the value of that, or the cost of exporting, has a direct bearing on the cost chicken on the supermarket shelves. So we're paying all the costs in exporting, both in administration and delays and um, the, the checks that the Euro- European Union have quite rightly put in place. Um, and then we're sort of competing against an open border on imports. So our competitors are not having to pay those costs. Or bear that burden of administration, so we're losing we're losing value in our marketplace. And are the and it's stan- really important?
0: Sorry, and are the standards the same either side of the channel?
1: Yeah, I, in terms of in terms of standards, I've got no um, no concerns about the the levels between the UK and the EU. We're still um, at the same legislative level as we were when we left the eu we haven't diverged uh, as was the fear um the problem here is that we we're paying for checks administration um to export that simply importers to the uk are not and we need that level playing field it's unfair on our domestic producers um to be at a disadvantage to their importing competitors
0: you've also had of course one of the the worst avian influenza situations um for a long time where are we on that at the moment richard
1: well avian influenza has eased off we're still sort of um working through the lessons learned of this last year um it's been really really tough and it has shown up the the, the difficulties in resource that government does have in animal disease. If we're going to see a repeat of that, we may see repeats of this this level of avian influenza. We need more focus on greater resources within that, as industry and government, but also in areas like vaccination, avian influenza. Um, and I'm pleased that the, the, the vaccination discussion has, is really Moving forward now, um and government has really seized that um, initiative, and we're we're looking at the at the challenges around that now, so it's been tough we may we may see uh, a repeat as as we move into the avian influenza season in the autumn. we hope not, but we need to be better prepared this year than we were last year.
0: Is there anything positive to talk about, Richard?
1: Well, when you asked me the first question about um, (laughs) how's the year been, I I did wonder whether I could do it without without swearing. But I think we're still in a position where, obviously, mainly about chicken, but we've got turkey and duck and goose seasonal as well. It's still the most popular meat. It's still the most affordable protein. It's still the most convenient meat that people buy so although it has been tough we're still key in the marketplace and i think that's really important and a really uh, good sign for the future
0: all right richard well thank you very much indeed for the update thanks for joining us on the farming program this morning uh, richard griffiths chief exec of the british poultry council thank you thank you and another sector that this time last year was suffering more than most, pigs. From Ladies in Pigs, Debbie Wilson. Are you still hurting?
4: There is a bit of a, a recovery going on. Um, the, there is some issues still with um, abattoirs because a few of the smaller ones are financially strapped and uh, you know there's a few been closing down. But uh, there has been you know, some, some shoots of recovery. Pig farmers are flexible and really resilient lot, but, the, you know, if the, I think they're starting to be cautious about, you know, the recovery starting. There's still other factors in, in place, like, the, you know, the prices they're getting and also the, the cost implications.
0: Because prices have or seem to have recovered, but are they anywhere near where they were a couple of years ago?
4: They're not back to where they were, um, but they are. They are recovering a little bit and um, going on the average cost of production. That you know there is a little bit in there for farmers, but there's still some volatility with the global element of it because there's been wild, the wildfires in areas and and different things that have been affecting and affecting supply of, of parts of the feed.
0: As you said about the abattoir situation, that was in a right mess last year has that improved at all no you've lost quite a lot of abattoirs around the country but where are we at the moment
4: to my knowledge things have stabilized with the the bigger abattoirs a few of the smaller ones are in a bit of dire straits and that the hope is that they can if things are recovering they can start to you know to get a bit more business through with a few more people considering coming back into the industry because we've lost a fair few producers in the last year. Yeah, because a lot started. of
0: a lot of people just either ditched the herd or reduced them significantly, didn't they?
4: Yes, yeah. I mean, people have had to be sensible, of, you know, when when the prices and um, everything was was going against them. You know, some have have took the opportunity to, to have a, a clean out or and then you know, either and decide not to come back into the sector or people have just decided to come out completely. And then there's others that are, you know, are sticking it out and they but have have had to reduce their head to kind of protect the, the staffing and to protect the, the business as a whole. Um but as I say we're a resilient lot. There's there's hope that as we um, if we can get through the winter with maybe these you know cost implications from with feed and things, that you know, come springtime next year, you know, people will start to feel a bit more confident.
0: Good, well, as I say, let's keep fingers crossed and let's hope for some positivity. Are there still problems with exports because I know there was real difficulties with the EU post Brexit, wasn't there for a while?
4: Um, it appears that were the um exports have, have been steady a you know, steady in a way where you know the there, there's some um markets that are opening up in different parts of the world um and I know that you know the people that look after the export business have, have been working really hard at looking at different areas of the world to to deal um with so it's it's been quite steady but it's been a bit bit up and down but it, it it's it's Evening out, I think, now.
0: And still busy with Ladies in Pigs?
4: We've had um, an extremely busy year. We've we've been to quite a lot of the shows up and down the country. We've been as far as um, Kelsa to the north and Ardingly to the south and everywhere in between. But our education programme is really picking up and we've been doing an awful lot of school visits and educational visits that support the local uh, agricultural societies so we, we've worked a lot with Rosie and the team in Lincolnshire we've got a meeting next week um planning farmhouse breakfast with them so you know we're, we're constantly on the go we we're, when we're, we're getting requests from all over the country to go to do school visits now the important thing is is to continue to get the message out there to the general public about you know the, the brilliant produce that we we do have in this country
0: Absolutely, that uh, I mean, getting that message over that uh, British pork is the best you can get, and the educational message to the kids is so important that they understand where their food comes from.
4: That's it. I mean, we when I do a cooking demonstration, I sometimes you know, I usually come up with a a funny anecdote, and and there are, but it it's funny to a point, but sometimes it's quite scary when we go into some schools and the lack of knowledge of basic foods and where they come from. So I don't think we're going to be out of a job anytime soon. <laughs> but you know, there's positive days as well where we've got you know a lot of children that feed into us and that and actually know quite a lot. We add to that knowledge by talking about the production of it. So you know, if we gauge that there, they know where the basic education will then stretch them by talking about the the high welfare systems that we have in this country and stretch their knowledge that way
0: absolutely well good for you um let's keep fingers crossed as you say that you get through the winter okay and the feed prices don't go through the roof again due to all the the fires and so on and uh fingers crossed for maybe a slightly better 2024 thank you debbie
4: no worries thank you
0: and to cap our look at the year in livestock our auctioneer from louth livestock market oliver chapman firstly oliver how have the numbers been this year?
3: A lot more buoyant. We, as a market and, and across the country, have seen more numbers in all sections um, with the sort of revival after COVID or in, during COVID of the livestock markets. It's revealed um, and proved the worth of the livestock market. So a lot more people um, have, have moved back to the, the live system to, uh, to market their livestock.
0: So what changed with COVID, Oliver?
3: Before COVID, there would be a lot more people selling animals straight onto the hook on a, on a deadweight-based system. But when when we were considered during COVID uh, to be to be essential workers, um, livestock markets were allowed to be kept open and it, and it proved their worth. And numbers up and down the country in all livestock markets seem to uh, almost have a bit of a revival and a jump back. I mean, just speaking from Laos' perspective, all numbers in all sections have, have gone up by... Um, a, con- a considerable number, um, anywhere between sort of 200 and a thousand head, just in a six-month period in in all sections. So,
0: and what's that kind of as a percentage?
3: That would be up probably 15 to 18 percent um, on on the year in all sections. So it, um, yeah, the-, the-, the livestock markets are-, are proving to be a uh, proving to be a valuable uh, valuable asset in in all communities.
0: Excellent news, and prices—they seem to be on the up as well.
3: Definitely, we've seen prices at all-time highs. Um, with a lot of a lot of those very best-end cattle, uh, prime cattle trading over the three pound or into the two hundred eighty-two, ninety-three hundred pence per kilo mark. And the best at last this year so far has been three hundred sixteen pence. Um, the cool cattle have been a very, very strong trade for processing, and again, we, we've had those up to. £2,090 just last week. As for the sheep, they've stayed very stable this year. We haven't seen the peaks and troughs of previous years and numbers buoyant. But yeah, we've, we've seen prices probably at an all-time high. Um, and we just have with the breed, with the early breeding sheep sales. I mean, our, our wholesale average for gimmers and breeding cheerlings this year was, was £202, which would be up some £25 on the year.
0: And what about quality, Oliver? We've always been rather lucky with that in Lincolnshire.
3: We would say that the quality is probably more consistent. We're very, very fortunate in, in this area that um, we, we're spoilt, really, with a lot of suckler-bred cattle and, and lowland sheep, really. Um, we don't get very many hillbred sheep or, or, or anything like that. We we get the, the higher-end product, which obviously commands the higher-end prices. But yeah, generally, quality across the board, being a slightly kinder year for farming, in one sense, the livestock especially, um, with the abundance of grass and uh, everything, uh, yeah, livestock are looking they're looking a lot better and, and faring a lot better this year. Um, and, and I haven't really spoken to many farmers or or any that are feeding feeding their, their winter preserves out in the field like they were at this time last year.
0: Good to see that Louth's doing well. Is that reflecting the situation nationally? Yes,
3: yeah, definitely um, up and down the country. Reports from every livestock market last year. So the full year of 2022, um, the largest amount of livestock was ever traded through livestock markets um, with the largest numbers and the largest prices ever recorded. The livestock markets are proving proving the worth and people are opting to sell sell live and thrive ultimately.
0: Well, it's, it's yeah, good to hear some good news from Louth and across the, uh, the the country. Oliver, thanks once again for joining us and we'll get your report on this week's sale in a few minutes. Yes, thank you, Steve. So that's it for Looking Back Until the New Year. Sean Sparling's back reporting on the crops and looking forward to the new season next week on The Farming Programme. Still to come, potatoes, grain and livestock market reports and prices, the weather for the week to come, and grain drying. Some new tech to consider.
2: The Farming Programme, with our equipped steel stockholders with Industrial Estate Grantham,
6: supplying the region for over 40 years.
0: It's that time of year when the grain stores are filling up and, as you're well aware, some of that grain will need drying. There's different grain dryers available on the market, but one Scottish farm recently invested in a brand new Tornham dryer and told us a little bit about it. They wanted to utilise their renewable heat source using biomass heat, topped up slightly using modulating burners when the temperatures aren't high enough. Their old dryer produced a maximum of 30 tonnes per hour, whereas they can get more than three times that from their new one. The Tornum is a continual flow dryer, fully automated, but they set the moisture and drying levels. It reduces over drying of the grain, records moisture levels and can spot and equalise any fluctuations, reducing costs and producing a more consistent and efficient end product. There are also 10 front-mounted clean air control fans, which remove up to 95% of the dust and chaff from the dryer, stopping it going into the atmosphere. The farm, East Coast Viners, have made what they call a significant investment for this new tech, but they see it as future proof in the business and being more time and cost-efficient and producing a better, more consistent end product. They see it as striking a balance between not over-drying or under-drying the grain. The former means you're losing weight, and the latter impacts on your ability to store correctly and risks spoiling. They'll be using the dryer mainly for malting barley, wheat, and rape, but it can also dry oats, peas, and beans. And they're the first in Scotland to get one of these. It's the Tornham TK8-20 grain dryer, and you can see more if you're interested at tornham.com/products.
6: Links FM Farming.
0: Market reports starting this week with potatoes with Colin Jackson from PJP Potatoes. Morning, Colin. How's the market looking?
7: Yeah, morning, Steve. Um, well, yeah, market still very good, just starting to show the first signs of of a few cracks appearing. Demand has dropped off. We have seen some processes in buying in the market just recently, which is kept the uh, the values very good you know sort of certainly north of 400 pounds a ton which is exceptional prices for this time of year on frying gear Um, but they've now sort of come out of the market so we are seeing a reaction a little bit to these high prices at the fish and chip shops for instance where most people are saying that the demand is probably only really 80 percent of where it would traditionally be at this time of year so because of that prices are starting to come back, and I think we'll see prices in the 300s, um, top 300s at the beginning part of, um, of next week, but certainly with a three on the front for, you know, for good frying gear, ex uh, the farm. Packing prices are still very good. There are still one or two at around 600 pounds. Again, it is starting to drop off that a little bit now, and there are prices being banded around uh, sort of in the fives, but again, still exceptional values for this time of year. Do you think
0: it's just a bit of balancing, a bit of a correction, as they say, in the market?
7: Yes. I mean, we saw the the last of the old season spuds going through the roof. So there was a real shortage at the start of the season. I think the processors have been pushing their contracts back a little bit. So they came into the market to buy because they wanted to push their contracts back to allow extra yield. The crop is really sort of 10 days or a fortnight behind where it should be at this time of year so um, everybody really needs the uh, they needed to dry a bit up now Uh, they need a bit of sunshine on the crop and the main crops particularly need all the time we can give them to fully uh, get to yields but yields out there are actually pretty good so i do think that we will have sufficient spuds in you know this season
0: lovely thank you colin okay thanks a lot and with livestock good morning to louth livestock market auctioneer oliver chapman
8: Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth. A uh, slightly quieter week in all sections, as to be expected one for the time of year, and two with the way the weather's panned out with a couple of dry weeks, although slightly damp on Monday. Starting with the prime cattle, which see heifers, the pick of the day at 300 pence per kilo, or £1,737 for Limousin bred heifers from JS Brooks of Strubby, with the steers to £278 pence per kilo, or £1,526 for JS Brooks of Strubby. On to the lambs, and an SQQ of 271.37 pence per kilo and an all-in average of 271.17 pence per kilo, showing that the heavier-weighted, meated lambs uh, are still a very, very strong trade. These topped for A.J. Colson & Sons, R.I. Cluff & Son and G. Willows uh, at £134 per head, or 312 pence per kilo for A.J. Colson and Sons. Onto the cull cool use, slightly more in number about and a better trade across the board, with all in average of £93.26. Again, it must be said there were plenty of uh, grazing type use mixed amongst those, with a top for AJ Colston Sons at £140 per head. Huge thank you to everyone who's been and supported this week. We're back on again tomorrow with all classes of prime, cull, cool, and store cattle and all classes prime cull and store sheep so for all marketing of livestock please do not hesitate to contact me this is oliver chapman for masons and louth market and thank you
0: thanks oliver and how are the grain markets performing this week open fields alice killam morning alice
6: good morning steve the weather is again behaving itself which is a very welcome relief not such good news on the market though with a fall of 10 pounds in the first 48 hours of trading this week The obvious conclusion that you would make after two pretty awful days would be that the USDA report released late Friday evening was a disaster for us. Not so. In many ways, the report could be described as mildly bullish, but it seems to have made no difference. The whole world is pushing the market lower and we are simply following everyone down. The US crop progress numbers were released Monday night, and to be fair, these continued to make a recovery, although there is now dry and hot weather forecast. We also continue with the fighting between Russia and Ukraine. On Saturday, it was reported that Ukraine is looking to form safe shipping routes in the Black Sea and had started to register ships willing to travel. On Sunday, though, a Russian warship began firing warning shots on a cargo ship in the Black Sea heading north. Around 12 months ago, a headline like this would have pushed the market up £5, simply on the headline. The world is now used to this, though, and it has absolutely zero impact. So, we come to the real crux of the issue at the moment. For the UK, we are being blown out of the water by cheaper alternatives into our traditional markets such as Ireland and Spain. It is certainly true that we are looking at probably the worst time of year, supply of old crops still swirling around in the system, plus some poorer quality new crop is also being offered. With domestic buyers done for the time being and very willing to allow the markets to fall, we all follow each other, taking the path of least resistance lower. Russia continues to dominate the market as demand emerges. Though freight has certainly risen and their floor price has moved up also, very few others are able to compete at present. It's beginning to look like a tough couple of months ahead. Feed barley is falling under the same spell as wheat, but also similarly, their premiums for quality are big and in fact historically huge. It will certainly help cushion the blow if you're lucky enough to have quality. Sample hard and make sure you're not giving away something with a premium as feed. Rapeseed had a better day midweek, thankfully, having lost another stack on Monday. Bargain buying perhaps, or better crude oil numbers also. Falls in soybeans last week and Malaysian palm oil are being blamed for the slump. I do wonder if the EU rape yields are as low as some of the UK's though. We might see a better day for this market. More talk on quality of new crop. To put it simply, there's a very mixed bag out there. On the milling wheat front, I've seen both some cracking parcels with the full package and also some less favourable with hagbugs that have dropped, but not everything is low. Segregate where possible and remember that hagbugs don't blend very well. There are some cracking spring barley samples out there, but don't get too brave on storing it. Guide prices for this week, circa Friday morning: feed wheat, August one six five to one seven five, September one seventy to one eighty, November one seven five to one eight five. With Group One milling premiums for new crop still holding at over sixty pounds. Barley, August one four five to one five five, October one fifty to one sixty, May one five five to one six five. With malting barley premiums varying, but seeing highs of over eighty pounds. Oilseed rape. 360 to 370 and as usual please call for firm values good luck with the combining going forward
0: thanks as ever alice the farming program five day forecast warm and sunny and dry for the first part of the week then cooler with rain at the back end just a light southwesterly breeze today plenty of sunshine and highs of 23 much the same for monday and tuesday if a degree or two warmer Light and variable winds for midweek, some light rain and temperatures dropping to the upper teens. The pressure drops towards the end of the week bringing cooler weather and more rain for Friday. Well, that's your lot for this week. Next week, we'll talk to a Lincolnshire vineyard, look ahead to Love Lamb Week, and revisit an organic dairy farm we last spoke to two years ago. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week.
2: The Farming Programme with Araquif Steel Stockholders,
0: ambrook Industrial Estate Grantham,
8: BSI ISO 9001 accredited.